Hello and welcome to Kernels. This is episode two of what was supposed to be a fortnightly podcast and I've managed to already screw that up after one week, <laughs> partly down to my own heinous disorganisation, but also because um, we wanted to wait and get an interview with Sir Patrick Stewart, which my colleague uh, Jacob, uh, the independent, also a film reporter, um, managed to score. So yeah, we held off for that and uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Jacob's joining me right now. Um, but... The main thing this week is it's uh, it's Oscars week. It's come around again, um, always after a lot of awards fatigue. But uh, mm. how do you how do you feel about the Oscars anymore? I don't know. Has it changed? I think it has really. Like about when I was, uh, I suppose, in my teen, in my teens, I kind of used to get really excited by it and caught up in the excitement. But I think now, for some reason, whether it's the the, the rise of social media or overexposure to uh, the films that are nominated. Yeah. I'm just not as excited as I once was. I mean, I do get kind of hyped because yeah. we love film, right? So you, 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 there's an element of interest there. Uh, but in terms of getting really excited and hyped, you know, would I host my own Oscars party now? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's partly the age thing, you know, that we were, we were excitable kids then and we're not so much yeah. now. But, but you're right, I feel like... With every year, it becomes less about the films as well and more about whatever narrative is running Definitely. alongside it. It's almost like it's got to be, uh, during festival season, uh, the summer before, it's got to be decided by September what are the two films that are going to be yeah. you know, batting heads. And obviously it's uh, La La Land and Moonlight, yeah. uh, but not really even a competition anymore, probably. I, I think so massively. Like I keep seeing pieces where people were like, "Oh no, I think La La Land's you know going to lose out on this one." To, I don't. I think it's literally going to win everything. It's I, I think like you know, like best actor. I think you know probably Ryan Gosling won't win that. It will be Casey or Denzel. Well, but everything else, like I think Emma Stone's going to get actress. Like I think it's got all the technical ones. So yeah. up, it's going to be like a, a huge haul. I can, you cannot see a Natalie Portman upset or Isabel Huppert. I would love to. And when you think that it's voted for by other other actors, you'd think. Because it's such an obviously incredible performance she gave in Jackie. True, yeah. And yet somehow I still I don't know. And like Hollywood loves like an ingenue, don't they? They yeah. give the Jennifer Lawrence and Alicia Vikander and these kind of. I feel like Emma Stone is very she on, fits on Oscar's brand. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think yeah. that the real one that is completely up for grabs is supporting actor. Yeah. Which I think is like probably the first one of the night. So I mean, they'd be yeah. they'd be good to keep that uh, till later yeah. on. But yeah, I think it's. Um, Obviously, between Mahershala, Jeff Bridges, and Dev Patel, after he won the BAFTA for Lion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd love Michael Shannon. Yeah, so that's just, Mahershala Ali for Moonlight. I, I, I don't know how, I think it's just I like the guy so much. Yeah. partly what I yeah. want to do. He's in Moonlight for like five minutes, but he's just, he's just so great. There's something so likeable about he's him. He's a good little presence, isn't he? It's in the award circuit. People have been yeah. really taken to him. Uh, yeah. Such but I mean, I, th I guess the thing with the Oscars this year is like the next morning, all the, all the headlines, what we're writing about, it's all going to be about what people have said, isn't it? It's going to be, it's going to be, oh, La La Land one, but also here's everything everyone said about Trump. It's going to be... Yeah, here's Meryl Streep trampling all over a Donald yeah. Trump effigy. Yeah, no. To the point where I think it's going to be quite self-referential this year because I think everyone, including Jimmy Kimmel, the host, knows that it's everyone's saying it's going to be about Trump, it's going to be about Trump, and it's, I think it's feel like it's going to reference that in some way, and he's, his first joke is maybe going to be about how he's been expected to rag on That's Trump. Really which is kind of point, yeah. But, that probably will be. I mean, because it's come at the end of all the other ceremonies that have been so riddled with, uh, you know, people right, right, rightfully uh, yeah. going on about Trump. 
it would be good for him to kind of come out straight away and just kind of reference it. Yeah, 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 get it out of the way. So people aren't just completely, you know, on, on, on their feet expecting it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. As much as the, like we say that the Oscars doesn't matter as much as it used to, I still, it's still, I'm still way more in, in tune with it than um, like the Golden Globes or yeah. the SAGs or the BAFTAs even, and, and in music, even more so than the Grammys, which I guess is like the equivalent. It's, there yeah. is something about the Oscars still that it's, you always want to, you always want to know about it. You always want to know about it, and, and I, I think we're the same in that we're always going to watch it. We're always going to yeah. stay up through, 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 you know, not even just because we're working, we would anyway, yeah. uh, just to kind of, if you have any interest in film, you've kind of got to be... Uh, in the know about the Oscars, and I suppose they're, once once they're on, and once you're in full swing of it, and John Travolta's screwing up names and things like that, you kind of want to you want to uh, yeah. remember where you were when you watched that moment. So yeah, for that, it's worth watching. Yeah, I also love how much they they pander to the viral moments now. I just imagine this like team of like Oscars people behind the stage, like guys, we've got to make this go viral. What can we do? How can we like get the presenter naked and like kind of <laughs> put him on a zip wire through the arena? Like they're so, so, true. They're so aware of that now. I just hope Jimmy Kimmel was up to the task, to be honest. Because yeah. if it's not a good host, it's just so dry. Yeah, I read that he said he was like not particularly excited Sorry. about it. He was like, he, we got off the phone. He, they were asking him, and he was like, ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't really say no. And I was like, realised that he'd taken on like a poison chalice. Yeah, oh, fair play to him though. <laughs> I'm sure he'll do all right. Better than Fallon did for the Globes anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be Man and Jacob's night on Sunday and um, a couple of other team members kicking off about 11, going right through till yeah. about 5 or 6 a.m. So. Got to do it. Got to be done. Yeah. So yeah, our interview this week uh, is with Sir Patrick Stewart who's in the uh, upcoming new X-Men movie. Um, how was it talking to him? I imagine he's a very kind of stately, grand man who's very, I don't know. Yeah, see, I, I, was, uh, I was a bit nervous. Not yeah. nervous, but um, kind of unsure as to what to expect because he is... He's a, a force. He's a force, man. Yeah. It's, it's Patrick Stewart. But it's, um, he was great. Immediately walked in and he, was, he just made it very clear that he was just so happy to talk about anything like f right back from when he started out you mm. know um, that's cool because like these people would do these junkets and do and do these like press tours worldwide so much and no more so than patrick stewart who must have been doing it for literally for decades, decades. Yeah. when they when they still were there are present and don't glaze over and, and wanna and you have to cut them off from talking in a sense because they want to it's really nice to see that it was, was great that it, was, it wasn't I had, a, I had a list of questions that you know like anyone would that they wanted that i wanted to reel off to him uh, but with the allocated time, which I couldn't, I couldn't um, read him all because he was just, he was just going off on tangents, and he kept apologising for it. And I was like, "Don't apologise, man! Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you keep going, me, yeah, <laughs> yeah keep, keep going." Um, but it was, uh, it's clear that he absolutely loves this film, Logan, which uh, is really great. You believe that with, I believe, with the sincerity? I believe the sincerity. I mean, he, he is a very good actor, but he could have been playing me. <laughs> yeah. But I'd like to think he doesn't. But I think it's, it was interesting talking to him. Uh, for this film, because Logan is very different in that it's um, it's basically gone down the Deadpool route. It's uh, Marvel, fifteen uh, certificate Marvel film. It's not for the kids. It's violent. There's f bombs everywhere, yeah. um, and it's actually very good. So to get to talk, and there's an air of finality to it. So it's interesting to kind of get his views on the X Men uh, franchise in kind in of looking general. back on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was very. He was very. He was. It was almost like therapy for Patrick Stewart. Yeah. You know, it's funny that rated R thing at the moment, isn't it? It's like that's what you do now. I feel like every, they're going to go back over every property. It's going to be like Kung yeah. Fu Panda Five, <laughs> and he's like fucking swearing and having sex. <laughs> yeah, man, the Kaboom of Doom's going to take on a very new meaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel 
like Sir Patrick Stewart, he he kind of was when he was talking, he was thinking of things that he hadn't yet thought of, and he was and and for that I was enthralled, and, yeah. and I hope when you when you listen that you feel the same. But um, he was just uh, a gentleman. He offered me a Twix. Uh, he offered me a Twix. Wow, yeah. I, I love that. I love that he's keeping it humble. You know, keeping he, it humble. He man. can afford a, a fine biscuit, but he's just going straight in with the Twix. <laughs> in fact, he offered me two. He said, "I'm not going to eat them. You take them." And I and I said no. And I've been questioning that decision ever since, to be honest. But he must have he must have requested Twixes. I feel like that's not standard. I mean, Claridge's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah treats. I think you're right. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was um, it was really great speaking to him. Awesome. Well, I look forward to listening to that now. And then um, next week, we're hopefully going to be talking to Bob Odenkirk, as you know, Soul Goodman, um, with Better Call Saul coming up. Yeah, um, so enjoy the interview, and please, uh, you know, subscribe, review the podcast on iTunes if you can. It sounds like a weird thing to do, but it actually really helps us get out there, and you can follow Colonels on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks. Thanks, Jacob. Cheers. Okay, so about 10 minutes uh, into watching Logan, uh, I almost shouted... Now this is the Wolverine film I've been waiting for. Really? I, I, I nearly shouted it out. And I mean, was there an element of that for yourself when James Mangold told you about the film or when <clears> you first read the script uh, or even when you started shooting? I can't say with you that it was the one I've been waiting for because I was a little surprised that there was another one. When, when the hint came through, well, maybe another... Be in it and all of that. Then, little by little, as uh, word began to filter down the secret pipeline, mm-hmm. because these things, you know, it's like it's like sitting in Downing Street, you know, and uh, you know, uh, for your eyes only. And <clears throat> even uh, emails have got their uh, automatic uh, delete system in place, so that. They're wiped out. Oh yeah, and and uh, scripts are sent online, and within twenty four hours they're, they're gone. gone. They're just re- yeah. see if you haven't read it, that's it. I mean, yeah, yeah. You get this warning. You must read this within so, or it will go away. Um, and uh, there, are, you know, there are uh, bars on it so that you cannot forward it or you know anything like that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's well, it's not. I understand. Yeah, the investment in a movie like this is huge. Yeah, and. Uh, they want to protect that investment, just mm-hmm. the way that a company would protect development of new properties, you know, the secret. Anyway, um, yes, I was interested because it's always been a good experience being involved with X-Men and just briefly with Wolverine. And then news of the content began to filter down too. First of all, that it might not be the X-Men but that it will be a very limited number of us. Um, well, finally, there were only two of us. Mm-hmm. And, and then the script arrived. I had been told, this is going to be quite a different Charles Xavier. And um, it wasn't Charles that had the impact on me when I read the script. It was the description of the location of the scene, the first scene that I was in, which is, uh, it was about page seven or eight into the movie, you know, the yeah. scene with Logan and the car and the, the guys taking the wheels and the, taking the hubs off and things. Um, 
And when I read the description of where we were, I was immediately very interested. This mm. is not this is not Xavier's magnificent, comfortable, beautiful home in Westchester County, Connecticut, school for gifted youngsters, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which I always thought was a good joke. Um, and away we went, yeah. and I was uh, I was delighted. And then following, actually, no, I met with James to talk about it before I'd read the script. That was the only when I arrived. James couldn't believe that I was coming for a meeting with him, and I hadn't read the script. Oh fuck that! He said, <laughs> Come on, get him a script right now, you know. <laughs> um, I, I was thrilled because. Diversity and and, and uh, contrast has been important to me from the very start. Mm -hmm. When I when I graduated from drama school from Bristol, um, I didn't have a job or an agent or anything. It seemed to me everybody else did except me. And uh, but after a month of signing on at the Labour Exchange in Dewsbury in West Riding. I suddenly got an offer out of the blue. Uh, if you're interested, uh, we have a place for an acting ASM. I mean, that is not acting in the sense of standing in for someone else. Right. You would do some acting, but you're really a stage manager. Yeah. And uh, it was weekly rep. So my career began doing new play every Monday night. Wow. And having five days to rehearse, and you know, that was all. And I loved it. Yeah. Partly because I thought my career was over before it had begun and I'd never get a job. Yeah. But also because I was thrilled by the variety, the fun of something new every week. Keeping on your toes, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then I went to fortnightly rep, then three weekly, gradually working my way up the quality ladder until I landed up back in Bristol at the Theatre Royal at the Old Vic doing monthly. Mm -hmm. That was wonderful. Um, so, I was introduced to diversity right at the beginning and it stayed with me. So I've never been interested in, you know, finding uh, you know, a Patrick Stewart persona and simply regurgitating it. Sure. And, that, and anyway, who would be interested in Patrick Stewart? Very few people. So it's all always been for me about performance and mm -hmm. And and trying to produce the unexpected. Sorry, that's a long-winded answer to your very simple question. I think it's just it's just a building for me because it kind of hit me when I was watching Logan that you've played this character what seven times now, across seventeen years, and yet I didn't realise quite how much I love not only Logan but Charles until this film. He was more heartbreaking and hilarious than he's ever been. Um, could it be the most fun you've ever had filming a film set in the X-Men universe? Yes, I, I think perhaps it was. Because, certainly as far as the work was concerned, because um, although I'd, I'd spent one day filming with James Mangold in the past, and like that, um, now I was it was day after day after mm -hmm. day, and because they had, they had to shoot me out because I had another commitment. So I was only on the film for seven, eight weeks. Oh, right. And I was working pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, 
I, I really like the way James works. He's fantastically prepared. Not all directors are. Really? Some come in and say, okay, yeah, what's this about? Let's have a look. And, and make it up as they go along. Yeah. Um, but not only does he come with a very clear vision, but then the moment that the actors begin to join that vision, he goes with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, there were even quite memorably, uh, there were occasions, one, one scene, when he says, why don't you just improvise this, make it up. There's a moment in the scene when um, the, the, the family are talking about wanting to have a vacation, they can't leave the farm, and the kid said, I'm ready to drop out of school. And uh, I love this line. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yeah, and... and, uh, and uh, Logan says something like, well, you know, he, you should be careful what you say because he used to run a school, something like that. Yeah. Well, we got to around there and we'd, we'd, done, we'd done the scene, we said the last line, cut. And then James said, well, when you get to that moment, why don't you talk about your history a little bit more? You know, fill it out with mm. something. Um, whatever, whatever feels appropriate to you. So we did an eight or nine minute improvisation when we got to that moment, Hugh and myself with occasionally, you know, everybody was cool with, with the idea. And uh, one moment in the scene I accused, I said, you know, he killed his wife. Oh no, she said to him, to you, and are you married? And I said, no, he's not, he killed her. <laughs> and they don't know whether it's... it's um, well, only one line from that improvisation actually makes it into the scene. Was, but, it, was it the line where you say, um, I'd say he was a good student, but I'd choke on my food or something? Like right. that. I love that line. That is such a great line. <laughs> it's just, it just drips from nostalgia and it just makes you think of, of what's come before. It's such a great line. And it was, it was then that I realised, my Lord, uh, I really have a history. I, it's not, again, it's not in the movie, but I talked about Jean Grey. Right. And what she meant to me. And I'd never talked about this before. So it was all coming out of recline. And he sat there going, what? <laughs> it's like X-Men. But we loved it. It was terrific. And, and the family was saying, where did all that stuff come from? And, um, you know, I talked about diversity. That's what this script gave me, a chance to do something really different. But with a person that I knew very well, mm -hmm. It's a what-if situation. Just supposing he was very old and very frail and very weak. Just supposing this mind, which has always been so clear and lucid, compassionate, intellectual, isn't functioning very well. Mm -hmm. Supposing that his power of telepathy is out of control and has now become a kind of weapon all these things, mm -hmm. you know, James and I talked about at the beginning. So that was in, that was fascinating. This is actors, you know, bread and milk. We love this kind of thing. Definitely. And um, so it, it was the best, I guess, the best experience yes. in that respect. They've all been good ones, largely because of the company that I've kept. Yeah. Working with Brian Singer three times, with, with Matt, Brett Ratner, um, and then now with James. It's... and. Making friendships for life, too. I mean, 
Well, my pal Suri and McKellen, uh, of course, he, already that was in existence. And, um, and, and now working so closely with you day after day after day um, in a contentious, angry, quarrelsome situation, you know. And, yeah. uh, no, the only, the only challenge were the weather conditions. It was, it was brutal. Yeah. Um, you know, we had 100 degree temperatures and 95% humidity. And it was, I mean, there were crew members, you know, on drips with saline. Sort of, oh, yeah, we, we had two fully qualified medics on the set who were all the time having to attend to people who were uh, dehydrated and all of that. Yeah. It's not all a cushy, comfortable no life. Fun games, is it, being right? a movie actor. <laughs> Actually, somebody I read somewhere, an actor who was it? Was it Matt Damon? Or somebody had recently, maybe it was, uh, had said uh, that he's been in films where actually he felt that he actually was a soldier on the front line. You know, it was that unpleasant and uncomfortable. Anyway. I bet, no. Uh, um, Hugh Jackman uh, has said that this will likely be his last uh, X-Men film. Do you see this film as being a full stop on your time as Xavier? I never did, and I was aware of, of Hugh's remark, and I understood it totally. Yeah. Um, he's done much more than any of the rest of us have done. And I was sitting on the set the day he walked. He arrived to do an audition. Uh, we all were. Um, you must have because I've mentioned this several times we were all all the X-Men were sitting around yeah. drinking coffee and reading the newspaper you know like you do not at all like X-Men and uh, this delightful charming slender young Australian guy who I'd heard of because he'd worked twice with Trevor Nunn who was somebody I, I know and worked with a lot sure. and uh, he said he was there to audition and he sat down had a coffee with us and we talked well, he, they took him away, and we all said, wow, what a great guy, you know. Let's hope he gets it. And uh, he came back half an hour later, and he said, uh, well, you guys are never going to see me again, <laughs> he said. <laughs> and we said, oh, no, come on, you don't know. And then somebody came and said, uh, uh, Brian would like to just have another word with you. And done. History was made. Yeah, yeah. So, oh God, I've got to learn not to talk <laughs> so much. So, um, it wasn't until a few days ago I'd seen the movie in a private screening in L.A., in a small screening room. And then on Friday night, it was screened at the Berlin Film Festival for its first public airing. And uh, uh, Hugh sat, was sitting next to me with James on the other side of him. And uh, the audience were clearly very caught up in it, and that was that was satisfying. We laughed and we enjoyed bits and scenes. And uh, it got into the last five or six minutes of the movie, and I felt Hans Hughes' hand came over, and he took mine, and he squeezed my hand, and I looked at him, and he had big tears. And of course, that set me off too. So. <laughs> Here we are, the two X-Men sitting, wiping away the tears at our own movie. And I thought, as I was watching, that we then had to wait for a long time for the credits to roll before we could go up on stage and be introduced to the audience. And I thought, my God, you know, 
this is a goodbye ending. Why would I, why, what could I possibly do that could top this? And, uh, you know, as I've lived with that idea over the last few days, flying around, you know, Madrid, London, New York tomorrow, uh, I thought, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right, you know, that we should both of us just move on now. And the franchise won't die, it'll yeah. continue. And, you know, you see those kids walking into Canada, and, and especially uh, <coughs> Daphne. Amazing work. And you know, we, the three of us, were in that shitty truck for day after day after day, and it was fantastic. We had so much fun. It, it, it did seem that way. Oh, yeah, we got on so that. well, and, and yet, you know, they would say, okay, we're ready to shoot, stand by. Yeah. Total focus. No, no fucking about from her, no saying, eh, I want to go to the bathroom or anything like that. Oh, no, ready. Ready to work. And when she turned around and looked at you, you, you were looking at X-23. Yeah. It wasn't Daphne Keane. Oh, I want to see her again in another, in another X-23. You know what? It's, it's airing in New York on Friday night, and uh, we'd all been making plans, you know, we'll, we'll do the red carpet, and then we're off to dinner. Yeah. But I'm beginning to think, I think I want to see it one more time. You know? yes. Definitely. I think I'll go to dinner. No, go see it. Uh, I, I'd like to see I mean, we saw it with an audience reading subtitles. Right. So it would be interesting. And it's going to be a, a fan audience. That's what they're basing the screening on. And uh, I remember the, the last movie I had come out, I think, was a movie called Green Room, a Jeremy Saunier's okay. thriller. And um, I saw that at what they call Midnight Madness in Toronto, in the film festival. Yeah. I had no idea that audiences would go so crazy. crazy for that, yeah. I mean, because they were they were fans of the genre of the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! They were standing up and yelling. Really? It was so exciting. It's great when you have no anticipation of that. No, well. I just thought we're going to sit here. We're going to watch the movie. Yeah. Oh no, no way! They were. Right. And when my character died at the end, they were cheering and yelling. That's <laughs> great. So, <clears throat> I've got to ask you as well. Uh, you recently signed up to voice the. Uh, yeah, the uh, the poop emoji in an upcoming film about emoticons. That's right. I must ask, how does one get into character as the poop emoji? Uh, oh, a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Two or three times a day. <laughs> um, I was thinking. We're already in the middle of it. I've already done my first session of, nice. of recording on this, and uh, I, I like the look of this guy. And they wanted a very cultivated English voice for it. That's the way, that's the direction we're going in. But before that, I have another movie that's going to open this summer. Um, Romantic comedy with Glenn Close and John Malkovich and me. Bring it on. John plays her ex and I'm the one she's marrying that weekend, but it all goes, as my daughter would say, pear-shaped. <laughs> but So that's, it's called Wild Wedding. Wild Wedding. That's so, awesome. you know, to go right back to where we began, it's, it's it's diversity, diversity. Mm-hmm. You know? It's all about that. And, and just to really wrap up uh, very quickly, are you um, satisfied when you reflect on your career as a whole? When you reflect upon the, ca- the characters you've made your own, the decisions you've made, are you, do you feel satisfied? Yeah. Uh, I feel incredibly fortunate 
because there are aspects of my career not only did I never anticipate having but they weren't looked for um, I mean I was just I was a stage actor and the fact that somebody would employ me to work on the stage that was enough I mean uh, I did a bit of TV but movies Hollywood was that uh, was uh, uh, La La Land and uh, and a lot of it was accident you know being at UCLA illustrating a friend's academic lecture on Shakespeare a producer of Star Trek signed up for the course of lectures Amen. you know so um, uh, you know I say to my son who is also an actor it, you know it's a lottery it really is do your best work always do the best work you can do but don't expect that it will lead to the next thing and the next thing you know I have nothing I know the emoji movie that's what I have waiting for me mm -hmm. I can't wait for that I think it's going to be fun Definitely. I like their ideas very much well thank you you've got a lot of terrifying looking questions I do, there, I do. luckily we never got to <laughs> thank you so much for your time thank you